Thank you. Emily, thank you so much. It's a beautiful day. Yesterday was a beautiful day. How many got out and enjoyed yesterday too much? Amen. If you had any work in the yard plans and did that, uh, you discovered that the rain held off wonderfully and it got hot quickly. But we're blessed this morning. We're going to continue in this series, <clears throat> Getting Out of the Box. And I know it may feel repetitive for me to start it this way, but we, we talked several weeks ago about the church getting out of the box, and we primarily in that first Sunday just set it up by realizing that we are um, stuck in traditions more than we want to admit. How we were raised, our personal life experiences, they, they help us define what our comforts are, and that's where we live. We talked the next Sunday on getting the message out of the box and how that you may be broken. You may be in a situation that you didn't plan on being in. Your life may be in circumstances that you did not plan on. Or possibly you're helping someone and you're carrying someone whose life you had not planned on carrying. But that Jesus is always the answer. That will never change, by the way. I don't care how many messages are preached from this pulpit. The answer that Jesus is the answer will never change. But then we talked about getting the grace out of the box. If, if God could love me and forgive me and give me something that I did not deserve, we should be able to give each other something they do not deserve. Then last week, Pastor Josh so wonderfully, powerfully shared the word of getting the gifts out of the box. How many of you know that everyone here, God has wired and gifted in some incredible ways? Amen? And the challenge is to give it away. Not to hoard it, not to keep it, not to keep it boxed up in your box, but to get it out of the box and give it away. And I'm, I'm going a little bit off track today, but I'm going in a specific direction. Uh, just uh, all week long, the, the Holy Spirit's been dealing really with all of us at, uh, at the church, but I, I believe God's dealing with you with some stuff. So today I'm, I'm focusing on getting our faith out of the box. Because here's what I've discovered. And we're going to read from Ma uh, Mark chapter 8 in just a moment. But here's what I've discovered, then we're going to get into this. I've discovered that it's very easy for me to say I'm comfortable with this so I, I expect you to get comfortable with this because this is how God moves. I, I, I need you to get comfortable with this because this is what I believe. We're going to look at that today. Because what, what Jesus wrestled with the disciples so many times was their belief. And then really understanding who Jesus was and why he was there. Um, I, I, I just want to read this passage. Let's read this together. Let's stand, if you will. And I'm going to read this very short passage, and we're going to break this down. Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 22. And it's, it's a familiar passage, but, but not often preached on. Let's get into this. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and 
led him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And then he sent him on his way home saying, do not even enter the village. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, and there is nothing simple about your word. Your word is, is so well defined for us, Lord, that a new believer can walk powerfully in it. But Lord, those that have been walking for years can have a fresh revelation this morning. So Lord, I pray that your word speak to us. Lord, I, I truly ask this morning by faith that you open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, open our ears. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so what does this simple story tell us this morning? Uh, first, I just want to set it up for a few minutes. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, and some of these are, are shared in different ways throughout the Gospels, but some of these stories are repeated. Um, they're, they're not just the same stories. They're, they're seen in different perspectives throughout the Gospels. And I know that sometimes when I start in my own life to have studied the Word of God, and I see the Word of God, and I see how God is operating and I believe that Jesus Christ has saved me through his blood and his sacrifice. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have all the belief stuff down. And I know you don't do this, but, but then I start to walk in my own strength again. I, I depend on my abilities. In my prayer, instead of, God, what are you doing? It's bless what I'm doing. And, and we, we all do that. And I start relying on what I'm capable of. Well, pastor, don't you tell us that, that he has gifted us and that we should just give our gifts away and God will just use however we... I, I certainly believe that. But here's what I need you to understand. If we're not careful, we start walking in such a way that we're depending on ourselves and not him. So, so when we go back to Mark chapter 7, it just... It starts off with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law already complaining because the disciples have now come and they're eating bread. But they've not washed their hands. Now this has nothing to do with hygiene. Um, you, you can make the argument for hygiene. How many parents constantly are telling your children, wash your hands before we eat? Wash your hands. And what do we hand out at schools? antibacterial hand, you know, because we just want to kill every germ out there. But it's not about the need to wash their hands. It's, it's how and when to do it. In other words, there's rituals. There's ways to do it. And if you're a good Jew, here's how you do things. If, if you're a good Jew, we know you're with Jesus, but, but here's how things are done. And Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. In other words, you, you say you worship God, but your actions don't show it. 
he goes on to say how that, you know, you talk about following the law. Moses said, honor your father and mother that your years would be made long. He said, but you, you tell your mom and dad, Corbin, meaning I, I can't take care of you right now. I've got to do God's business. I've got to give to God. In, in other words, we have ways of rationalizing what we do in the name of God and it doesn't even measure up with God's word. Am I making any sense? Now, I'm not picking at anyone this morning, but we're good at it. And it's not a spiritual gift, we're just good at it. We find ways to, to find our comfort zones, and we live within those comfort zones, and we want you to also. And, and Jesus says, that's not where it's at. You honor me with, my, with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And it's not... He goes on to say, it's not what goes in to a man that defiles him. And what he's simply saying there is, it's the food, eating with dirty hands, that's not what messes you up. And again, I, I, I know when we talk about this, someone wants to say, well, pastor, aren't you afraid of people getting sick if they eat the wrong thing? That's not what Jesus is focusing on here. Jesus is saying, if you eat food, it takes the nourishment out, and then it goes in, the, your, goes in your stomach, takes the nourishment out, and then what's not needed. Hello? What's not needed is gone. He said the problem is, it's what, it's what you keep in your heart. It's the stuff that you start putting in your heart. And you start keeping in your heart. And then he does go down a list. Listen to what he says. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And all he's simply saying is, this isn't about all your man-made traditions. This isn't about how we have church. This isn't about how you should live your life in regards to following some man-made rule. This is, what is your heart after you're following Jesus Christ? What is your heart saying? What is your heart holding on to? And what I've come to find, when, when you start telling people to get out of the box, you're really saying get out of your comfort zone. You're really saying get out of the way that, you're, that you feel comfortable doing things, uh, get out of what you normally think is the norm. And it's not that we overnight become radical just for the sake of being radical. You know, change for the sake of being changed is just misery. If there's not a purpose. And so, if, if we just say, well, get out of your box. But you don't know why you're getting out of your box. Now you just don't have a box. And if I can stay with that box just for a second. When we get out of our box, if we're not careful, um, we, we just hold on just, just enough that we can always get right back in it if necessary. Now I say that because Jesus is trying to get his disciples. He's, Jesus is not worried about trying to win over a Pharisee. As a matter of fact, as they, they cross over, they come to a Syrophoenician woman who now he's not ministering to a Jew. And he says, listen, um, she comes to him begging to heal her daughter, and he says, the bread is for the children, meaning I've come to minister to the children of Israel first, not, not give the bread to the dogs. 
That sounds pretty harsh. But it wasn't Jesus being harsh. It was Jesus speaking in front of the disciples to try to get their attention that he didn't come just for the Jews. And when she says, but Jesus, even the dogs get the crumbs off the table. When, when you're up eating at a picnic and, you know, my, my, we have two little dogs. That my wife just, I, mean, I love them too, but she is in love with them. And if we have company, she has no, she, she just lets them run like they're part of the family. And I'm like, put them up. Put them down. Do something with them. Because they lick people and don't stop licking and they sit under the table. Just Why? Because they know that if it's just Diane and I, stuff just falls off the table on purpose. And this lady says to Jesus, listen, even the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus said, that's, that's good. Your daughter's healed. One of the first steps now to Jesus showing that he's stepping outside just the Jewish faith to the Gentiles. They bring to him a, a, a man who was mute and cannot hear, and Jesus heals him. And with great excitement, they're, they're literally excited about the fact that Jesus is, is doing these wonderful things. But as they get into the boat, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law one more time come up and said, give us a sign. Show us something. Impress us with something. Let us know that you are who you really are. And we know that they're just trying to trick him. But Jesus says, actually the Bible says he sighs. Can you imagine God sighing? Because the Bible says that he says, you're looking for the wrong thing. He said, you're not going to get a sign. Your generation will not see a sign. Your generation meaning the kind of people that are birthed and raised out of your thinking. A faithless generation is what he's saying. Because he's saying it's not about a sign, it's about a faith. It's not about what we think, it's about what God thinks. It's as simple as that. And, and we have a tendency... God, here I am, show me something. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Bible says that screaming children in the nursery is normal. And we, we just know that, that no matter what happens, God is in control. And it's that kind of faith. And Jesus is trying to, here's who Jesus is trying to help understand this powerful ministry is the disciples. Because right before he runs into these Pharisees again, he feeds 4,000. This time with seven loaves and a few fish. Now, I know these are all very familiar stories. But I just need you to hear my heart this morning. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to get out of their box. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to get out of their box. Because see, there's, just, there's still this mentality that Jesus Christ is the king of kings, so he's come to set up his kingdom. So they're following him around. They love the miracles. They're just looking for the throne. They love the miracles. They just want the takeover. And Jesus is saying, you don't get it. Let's, let's take this journey a little further. Because as they leave the Pharisees, and I'm, I'm getting to this verse as quick as I can. As they leave the Pharisees, Jesus turns to them and says, listen, don't let this kind of thinking 
get into you. They've got their agendas. They've got their ways of doing things. And when you have your agendas, you will not see God at move. You will not see God at work in your life. You'll miss what God is doing. Why? Because you're trying to make your agenda happen. You're trying to make your ideas of what should be going on. I, I feel like God is doing this. If God has really told you, he'll open that door. If you find yourself having to fight God and fight people because you're just, you have an agenda, you're, you're not going to see it. You're, you're going to miss it. And the disciples were, were wrestling with this. Because even when they got in the boat, now they had just helped Jesus by handing out the bread and the fishes that Jesus multiplied. Now, this had happened twice, one with 5,000 and one with 4,000. Jesus had provided and broken the bread and broken the fish, and there were enough. He, he even asked them in the boat, because here's what they were arguing about in the boat. Who got the bread? Where's the bread? We only have one loaf. And they're worried about only having one loaf to be enough. Why? I know I'm being a little repetitive. Because we only depend on what we think we can do. We're, we're walking around with Jesus, the miracle worker. We're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but we, we're the most anxiety-filled people on the planet. We, we literally, I'm, I'm, I know that's a big generalization, but you can go to many foreign countries, and they have nowhere the anxiety we have. Now, I, I've got some feelings of what those anxieties are. But we're not here to discuss my feelings this morning. Because that's the problem. We operate on feelings so many times. And we have so many opportunities in life and so much is thrown at us. And we have the internet. And so, so we start to think, I'm only going to make it if this adds up and if this adds up and if this adds up and if this adds up. And Jesus, I'm, I'm just trying to get across to him. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand you're worried that you only have one loaf. You're arguing about how you're going to survive because you only have one loaf. You're trying to find who you can blame this on because you only have one loaf. Can I just throw this out there? How much of your life do you spend trying to figure out how you're going to make it? How much of your life do you spend trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life? How much of your life do you spend trying to figure out who to blame on, why you are where you are? When all along, here's Jesus' response to the disciples. I'm not saying Jesus ever showed his frustration. We do know he sighed. And we do know he wept. We do know he turned over tables in the temple. I like that one. So I've, got to, I've, I've only got to imagine this in my mind that when Jesus is hearing them, he turns around, and this is a head-scratcher. Guys, remember the 5,000? How much bread was left over? How, ma how many loaves did we... Uh, uh, 12? How, mu how many baskets were left over? 12 baskets. R remember just a few hours ago how many did we feed? 4,000. How many, how many loaves did we start with? Seven. How many baskets were left over? 
seven seven baskets. And you're arguing. Do you hear yourselves? You're arguing over one loaf. How are we going to make it? Now, Jesus doesn't say in this situation, where's your faith? He's saying, don't let the don't let the leaven of the Pharisees get into your thinking. Now, what is that leaven very quickly? Because we always just quickly allude it to being sin. Don't let sin get in your life because it spreads like crazy. Well, that's true. And he talked about that already. But what is the leaven that I believe he's saying to the disciples? If you're not careful, I'll just be something you say you believe. I'll be something that you hope I come in and be your king and you're a part of this kingdom. But that if you don't fully understand that I'm going to have to suffer for this and that you will suffer for this, you're going to crawl back into your box and expect me to only operate right here. And when you're only operating right here, you're worried about how you're going to eat tomorrow. When you're only operating right here, you're, you're in fear of your future. Because you can't see this whole... Let, let, me, let me try to prove it to you another way, guys. And about that time, here's this blind man. Jesus, please. Please heal him. He just read it. So Jesus comes over and he spits, touches his eyes. And he blinks a little bit and Jesus says, what can you see? I, I see people, but they, they look like trees walking. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a minute because this is exactly where we like to live. We want to be touched mightily of God but not totally. We want to be powerfully moved on by the Holy Spirit, but not completely. Because see, and, and some will say, well, Pastor, don't you think Jesus was just trying to show that some things happen in a progression? There's a lot of application to this passage. But, but don't lose the sight that he's trying to teach the disciples just like he's trying to teach you and me. He never does anything halfway. We only want to receive it halfway. We, we want to be saved, but still live like we want to live. We want to be rescued, but not really taken out of the water. We want to be delivered, but still hang out in the same stuff. This is good. And, and this isn't about legalism. It's not about when you get saved, here's all the rules that you follow. That's not it. The, those rules are just like our laws. They're there to protect us. You know, every one of you sped here coming to church this morning. Not because you were excited about coming to church. You, just, you speed everywhere. And this morning, you just happened to be coming to church. Now, I know some of you are very careful drivers. But you're the ones that thought bad thoughts about us when we sped by you this morning coming to church. So either you're speeding or you're having bad thoughts. Amen? <laughs> um. Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand that when you walk with me, you're walking in a power. And see, that there had not been a crucifixion yet. See, you and I walk post-crucifixion. You and I are, are believers that have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
but I'm still a firm believer <clears throat> that we get used to that. And all of a sudden, God starts working on our lives. God starts chipping away at things. We read the word of God and we read things that we say, wow, God, I know you're wanting to change some things in my life. I know we pray and we come together corporately and we worship as the church and I, I, I feel like God is working on some things in my life, but I, Lord, be the king. Let me enjoy all the blessings, but I'm, I'm not really going to surrender that. I'm not really going to give total control. Now, when that happens, here's, here's what happens. You can't see clearly. Things that, that should be very clear to you are fuzzy. Things that should make sense. You spend so much time trying to meet with friends. I, I need some counsel. I'm, I'm thinking about leaving my wife. And that, that doesn't even make sense. It does when you're seeing a blur. It does when things look fuzzy. It, you, you're seeing people, but they're just a bunch of trees walking around. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, I heard a really bad joke this last week um, from a lady that I never expect to hear jokes from. But she says she finally has peace in life. She's going to go to the bank today and meet with the banker, and if everything goes right, she's going to be able to do the withdrawal that will pay all of her bills and take care of her the rest of the life, her life. And so please pray for me as I put my mask on. I'll be back in a few minutes. Some of you will get that in a few minutes. Here's the reality. We think we can do it on our own. And that's going to be the answer. And things get blurry. We start, and we start work. And you know what, my, you know what our prayers are if we're not careful? We, we make all these blurry decisions and then we need a rescuer. Now please don't misunderstand me. God rescues. But in my personal life, when I've walked through the shadow of the blurry valley of death because I just decide to walk things out in a blurry way and not trust him it's not that he doesn't deliver me he tries to teach me and the way he teaches me is just just keep walking but this time when you hear my voice turn in that direction but Lord I, I can't see very clearly that's how you got here John now trust me but Lord, it doesn't make sense. That's why you leaned on your own understanding. See, the Bible tells us that, that when you walk by faith, it's not by sight. I, I'm not even encouraging you this morning, probably, but I, I do want the word of God to, to sink down a little bit into our spirits to let us know that Jesus is calling us to something that we'll never truly understand on this side of glory. And if you, if you can't step out in faith until you truly understand what God is calling you into to honor him and to glorify him in all that you do, you, you're never really going to take any steps of faith if you're waiting for things to be so crystal clear. Well, pastor, you just told us that we need to see clearly. You do. You need to see clearly that Jesus is the answer. And that whatever he calls you to, the circumstances may not always make sense. But he is who you're chasing. Not your answer. So he touches him again. And now he sees clearly. And then he says, go. But I love that last statement. Don't go back to the village. 
I, I think that what Jesus is saying in a very nice way is, now that you can see, don't go back to where the people said you were blind. Don't go back to the circumstances that, that held you back. Don't go back to the circumstances. Are you, can I get it a little tough here for a second? Don't go back to the friends that keep getting you in the same trouble. Don't go back to the websites that keep getting you in the same trouble. Don't go back to the activities that get you in the same trouble. Well, I'm trying to be a, I'm trying to be a witness. Get over your weakness before you become a witness. In other words, don't, don't go back into your weaknesses uh, needing God to, to do a double miracle because you're just too stubborn and you won't let some things go for him to do a work in your life. See, I, again, that all goes back to, am I making sense? That all goes back to, well, I'm going to do it my way. I appreciate what you're saying, John, but I believe God wants to touch me the way I believe God wants to touch me. Stay in your box. Stay in your box. But don't get upset when you, when you just see people moving forward like crazy because they've decided, you know what, no, 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 no. I, I want him to touch me in such a way that, that, yes, I can see, but it's not that I can see that everything makes sense in my life. I can see that I'm pursuing Jesus Christ, not all the other stuff. Now, I've got four simple points. I know it's 10.07, but you've got to trust me, this is going to move quick. My, my prayer is for us that we get out of the box so we will have the ability to see. You can't see inside your box. You can't see. And, and, and until you get out of the box of your comfort zones, but pastor, I, I've just never faced this before. I've never gone down this path before. I've never walked this out before. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of things in your life that those first steps are going to be steps of faith that you've never done before. And the just shall live by that kind of faith. Without that kind of faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because he wants us pursuing him, not security in our next step. He wants us pursuing him being our security, not, well, that makes sense, I'll go there. <laughs> Give us the ability to see, Lord. Fourth of July week. I hope you all had a great week. King George, it was said, wrote in his diary on July 4th. Nothing happened today. But the reality is something was happening on July 4th. There was a freedom that was taking place that England refused to believe was taking place. Um, see, there's, there's a freedom. Jesus is talking to the disciples here, guys. There's a freedom that's taking place that we even miss has taken place if we don't have the ability to see it. It's not found in my circumstances. Listen, uh, I tell you this every Sunday. I've got to live what I'm preaching. But the reality is our, some of our circumstances we may have to grind out those circumstances every day for many more weeks or many more months. And, and our prayer sometimes is, Lord, deliver me from this. I, I just don't know why God is allowing me to go through this. I just don't know why. I just don't. You know how many just don't know whys exist in history? But because he's the same yesterday and today and forever, that's where I put my trust. My trust is in him. 
We might, not, we might not have a next breath. I know we prayed for Tom earlier. I talked to Christina and Tom Rohr and his family. They've been coming to church here for quite a while, and Tom's been battling cancer. They put him in hospice in the hospital last Friday. We really didn't even expect to, for him to go through the weekend. So when I called Christina Tuesday, Wednesday, I said, How, how's he doing? Quite honestly, here's my faith, you ready? Quite honestly, being ready for her to say, he's passed. But to my, now I take the credit for faith, she says, well, we're actually going home. I said, okay, talk to me. She said, well, he, um, he just started doing better. And um, he started talking. Now, now, please understand, this is not doubt. If you've ever walked anyone through cancer and through hospice, there can be, the last couple of days, there can be a powerful resurgence. I can remember my dad even got out of bed the day before he died and walked around and said, I think I'm going to make it. And, and not a lack of faith, I just went and said, Dad, no matter what happens, you're going to make it. See, and see, it's just one of those things where we in our flesh, we're like, well, we don't have life here. We have failed. You are still missing what Jesus is saying. And so she says, Tom's going home because, and I could hear him in the background. He's talking to people. They're laughing. They're talking because he's hit that energy, and they decided it's, it's better for him to go home. He's, he's going to pass, but it's at home. So they sent him home. But now, Pastor, how is that a testimony? Because he didn't die in the hospital. He still has opportunity to meet with family and to meet with friends and and say goodbyes, but more importantly, say, here's what you need to trust. Don't trust in a job, because you're going to die. Don't trust in a person, because you're both going to die. Don't, don't trust in circumstances, because they're going to pass. They're going to be different from day to day. Don't, don't trust in how life may beat you up. Trust in a God who can lift you up when life is over. And see, when our, when, our, when our faith is not in Jesus Christ and what he's done, our ability to see is blurry. So God, give us the ability to see, but then give us the faith to believe it. Give us the faith to believe it. I believe in the word of God. I believe that what God said is still for today. I believe that God still touches people's lives. I believe that God can still physically open blinded eyes. But, but here's the problem. There's too many spiritually blinded eyes that refuse to be open. I, I think we've lost the faith that God can really put relationships back together. That's why even in the church, we're just like, well, everybody else is doing it. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not beating anybody up this morning. I'm telling you, if our faith is in our circumstances, our faith is not in Jesus. Let our faith be bolstered. Give us the ability to believe again. Believe in something greater than ourselves. Not, you know, some of our faith is, the extent of our faith is, please, Lord, help our team win. And we get so used to that being a 50-50 shot 
We just stop even having faith in that. I don't care who wins. Well, can you pray with me about tomorrow? I don't care about that either because my faith is gone. I'll pray with you, but I'm not really believing. Lord, help him. Do you really believe God can bring change? Well, maybe. It's a 50-50 shot. See, I, I, our belief, why? Because our belief gets wrapped up in what we're able to do. Somebody say amen. Our belief gets wrapped up in what we're able to produce. Our belief gets wrapped up in what, able we're, what we're able to secure. But God is able, guys. Give us the faith to believe, but here's the big one, the courage to do it. If God's called you to something, step out of that box and do it. If God's called you to, uh, what's that calling? Your calling, don't, don't get hung up on your calling. Live for Jesus, that's your calling. But I don't know if I'm called to preach. Most people probably don't think you are either. If God, if God is calling you, just step out and live it. Step out and do it. Like, let God be responsible for it. And I'm, I'm saying that because don't get wrapped up in only having the courage to do the things that you know you can do. That's not courage. That's you're probably a couple of days behind everybody else. Courage is, you ready? We've already talked about this a few Sundays ago. Courage is being willing to forgive somebody who doesn't forgive. Courage is, is taking the first step to say, I'm sorry. That's courage. I'm not saying that they don't deserve it. It takes more courage to step up and say, I love you. Let's get, th- let's get things right. Let's move in the right direction. But pastor, how? Because you have faith in a God that you can't see. Who has the power to change lives. And, and as you walk that out, sometimes you don't feel a thing. You know, the Bible, Jesus talked about that, that list. He talked about evil thoughts, those things that creep in. And he talked about sensuality. Sensuality really has nothing to do with sexuality. He, he described those differently. He described it differently than adultery. So what is sensuality for us? Sensuality is we make worshiping God. We make serving God. Something that's got to feel good. We want to bury white Jesus. We want things to feel good. We want things to sound good. We want things to be right. Because then everybody's in the right mood. Nobody hates each other. Everything's feeling good. Um, Jesus doesn't come as Barry White. He comes as a suffering servant. You see, I'm off on a little bit of a tangent, but I'm coming home quick. That's why I, I, almost, I almost cringe when I hear of modern-day prophets. Because modern-day prophets, here's their message. I see something in you. I see a bright future. I see a lot of money. You just keep trusting God. Amen. We'll meet next Thursday night. Well, guess what that person's going to do? They're going to ring my doorbell till we meet next Thursday night. Because they want to find out that next, you're going to be great. You're going you're to sail the seven seas. Where's the prophets that say, you've got sin in your life? Clean up. I'm sorry, I was, I was pointing right over her head. I was, I was pointing, yeah, I was pointing, there you go. Where, where's, where's, the prophet, where's the prophet that says, hey, you know what? 
You're not walking in belief. You're walking in, you're walking in arrogance. You don't believe in Jesus. You believe in you. You, you don't want to serve the people. You're trying to build a name for yourself. You, the only reason you help them, you can't help people and take selfies at the same time. Okay? Now, and, and I, please, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but where's the preaching and the prophetic that says, listen, guys, listen, Jesus Christ is real, straighten up. Jesus Christ is a risen Savior. He gave his life for you. Where's the surrender on your part? Well, we, we, we want the king and we want the kingdom, but we want it on our terms. Good luck with that one. That is not going to happen. Well, I, I want to be able to walk it out on my own. No, and, and I won't point fingers anymore. But here's what, I, here's what I will say. The courage to do isn't about you stepping out in bold faith to make a name for yourself. The courage to do is Thomas who after the resurrection of Jesus Christ even said when he saw Jesus, I, I believe, <laughs> but help my unbelief. And Jesus said, touch, touch the side, touch the scars in my hand. And from that day forward, he was, has been known as what? Doubting Thomas. But you know what Doubting Thomas did? He went to India. Thomas is the disciple that took the gospel of Jesus Christ to India. And you know what he did there? He, he built a multi-billion dollar television ministry and, and made zillion. No, he died. He died. He was killed. Why? Because when you step out in courage, it will cost you. It could cost you your reputation. So if you're only, if you're only serving Christ because you're trying to build a reputation, you, you need a revival in your life. And the way sometimes Jesus brings a revival in your life, he doesn't do a, a, a miracle for you to say, yee show us some more signs. He does a miracle sometimes to wake you up to realize, whoa, um, maybe I'm believing in the wrong thing. Me. When I should believe in him. Now, I'm not saying God's grace doesn't meet us where we are. But I am saying God's grace doesn't leave us where we are. Because it gives us the hope to endure. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. What is your life built on? Because listen, if it's a box, it's going to cave in. Um, we're going to do a, in the service a little different this morning. We're going to play a song in just a minute. Because I just want us to listen to the song as we're serving the elements. And then Dr. Bucci is going to come and, and share and lead us in partaking in communion. But I just want to encourage you, when, when Jesus tells us to walk this out, and when you walk it out, it's like a man who builds his house on a rock. When the waves crash in, when the storms of life crash in, 
Your hope is built on a solid rock. But if, if you don't follow these words, I'm not talking about legal, legalism. I'm talking about following and pursuing Jesus Christ. Because when you're following and pursuing Jesus Christ, your problem will not be legalism or if you broke the law. It'll be about confession and walking in holiness. He says, if you don't follow, it's like building on sand. When the winds blow, the house comes down. So where, where is our life built? How are we? I know we're going through tough times. Some of you are going through incredibly difficult times. But what's that new thing God is doing in your life? What is that area he's calling you into? What is that thing he's trying to do? As we listen to the song, and uh, gentlemen, if you'll prepare to serve the elements, we're just going to gently, um, prayerfully listen to this song as they serve the elements, and then Dr. Bucci will come.
Good morning. What a great message, Pastor. Really, I'm just so humbled by that. Um, I've got a picture here uh, we're going to show. Mike's going to put up. Uh, this is uh, me on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, quite an experience to uh, go to Israel. But uh, the message here is that uh, experience can teach us just so much. Not all of us can get to the Sea of Galilee and have... Uh, that kind of an experience, and maybe that would be great, but um, in life sometimes we live for those experiences, and uh, we strive for those, and, and that's what makes a difference for us. And yet, uh, what Pastor said this morning is that uh, our life is more than the sum of our experiences. Getting out of the box for us has to be sometimes stepping away from those things that are familiar. And um, so let's do the next picture. This is <laughs> this is a room like, or this is the room uh, where uh, the Last Supper was held. Okay, wow, right? Like, oh, and and it's cool. It's really cool. But if my faith is based on the fact that I went to this room, then my faith is only as good as me going to this room every day. Understand what I'm saying? My faith is, my hope is built. And nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Paul writes this in Romans 6. If we have been united with him, with Christ in a death like his, how many of you would like to experience death like Jesus? Uh, no, I don't think so, right? If we have been united with him in a death like his, he died for us then we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. 
Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to die. But we don't have to. And that's what this means. That's what this means. The first part of the supper was Jesus saying, I will experience something for you that you don't have to experience, but that someone needs to experience, right? Jesus took bread, distributed it to his disciples in a room like this, right before his death, and he said, take this and eat it. This is me experiencing death for you. Let's do it. When the supper was over, he said, I'm going to tell you something you're not going to understand. This blood represents you being now in me. Your life in mine. I have not only purchased it and taken your place, but now you live in me. You won't be able to physically experience that, but you won't have. But if you believe in me and what I've done, when you do this, and I, my blood will cover your sin, the sin you committed yesterday, the sin you commit today, and for the rest of your life. And you will be with me in paradise, in heaven forever. Isn't that awesome? It's cool to go to the Holy Land, but it's better still that Jesus died for us. Let's... Let's stand. Awesome, awesome message. Cannot even begin to tell you how great that was. We are limited by those things that we dwell on, our experiences, our, our efforts to do it ourselves. Jesus has died for us and said, you do not have to do this. I have done this for you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You are not alone. The writer to Hebrews said, he, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His healing power is available to set you free from whatever you're struggling with. But you must take the step to walk away from what you know to something you don't know and put your trust fully in Christ. So we're here, we're going to pray, and then we'll be here to pray with you at the end of service and, and to encourage you. He has done it for us, so therefore we can do it as we trust in him. Amen? Praise the Lord. Father, we love you. We praise you. What a great salvation you've given to us. Our desire is to be wholly and completely committed to you, God. But we are limited by our own thinking, by our feelings, by our efforts to do it ourselves. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. We, we lay down our old nature. We leave it at the cross. We leave it at the altar. Jesus, you've done all for us. 
things that we could not do. You experienced death for us so that we do not have to die in sin. We do not have to be separated from you forever. But we can walk in full life, abundant life. God, help us to understand that. Help us to move towards that. Help us to run like the prodigal ran to the Father. And, and know that you will embrace us and comfort us as your children, as your blood-bought ones. We love you. We praise you, God. Help us to walk in freedom today as we think about all you've done for us and to rejoice in your goodness. We love you. We praise you, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's it. What a great God we serve. What a great message. Thank you, Pastor John. We're here to pray for you. If you desire prayer, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great day.